Hola, you're listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to live in the middle of a developing tourism town? Sounds great, right? Well, it doesn't come without challenges. Like most people listening, I had a steady job, lots of stress, worked my ass off so I could enjoy vacations. One day, I came to the realization that I needed to embed myself into a vacation permanently, so that's what I did. Now my home is San Juan del Sur, Nicaragua. It's a small town on the Pacific coast with a population of about 15,000 people. I have a small sailboat charter business which pays the bills and leaves a bit left over to cover my habits. And even though we call it paradise, Nicaragua is still a third world country. So picture this, 36-year-old Texas guy and his two trusty Labradors are transplanted into a developing country and they're trying their hardest not to stick out like sore thumbs. These are the stories of what life is like, some good, some bad, but all entertaining. So sit back, relax, and live vicariously through me for about the next 30 or 45 minutes. And I promise you, this stuff can't be made up. Because you had a bad day, you take it one down. You sing a sad song just to turn it around. You say you don't know, you tell me don't lie. You work at a smile and you go for a ride. You had a bad day, the cattle don't lie. You're coming back down and you really don't mind. You had a bad day. You had a The past few days here, for me anyway, have been the kind of day where you think to yourself, why am I here? Screw this place. This is ridiculous. I'm out of here. And then you go to bed and wake up the next morning and it's kind of all better. I'm going to go through my day that I had yesterday in a little bit. I got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Either I'm going to cut it short or we're going to go way over. But first I want to start out fulfilling a promise that I made last week. And that was to talk about the Zika virus. I didn't have internet for the last six days, so I did my best to just knock out some quick research here um, before I started recording to try to have some statistics and whatnot. I also got a few emails from a couple of listeners that gave me some good insight. But just as we already suspect, this is just another media hype, in my opinion. The U.S. media has become very effective at what they do. And a lot of people want to blame the media and say that it's their fault. But the media is only providing what the consumer is demanding. To get down to brass tacks, it's my opinion that this virus is just another virus that's mosquito-borne that's found in third-world countries. And just because it's gotten some relative popularity or they could have possibly linked it to a birth defect, it's gotten a huge of media attention. And why? Because the media knows that the consumer will consume it. So they'll spend more time on the websites reading it, more time on the TV watching it, therefore 
creating a higher value of the commercial time, which the media can then sell to advertisers. So that's their goal is to make money. So they sell whatever we want to buy just so they can make money. And I understand that. But it's our responsibility to be educated and not to just believe everything they're shoving down our throats. So I'm not going to spend an exorbitant amount of time talking about this and going through statistics, but I will go through some brief stuff that I've found. And all these are from different websites. A lot of it is from the World Health Organization. I looked for websites that are nonprofit or made to put information out there as opposed to CNN News, Fox News that are media-driven websites. So I'm just going to read to you what is posted Uh, I believe this came from the WHO.org, WorldHealthOrganization.org. Zika virus is transmitted to humans by infected mosquitoes. It causes mild fever and rash. Other symptoms include muscle pain, joint pain, headache, pain behind the eyes, and conjunctivitis. Zika virus is usually mild with symptoms lasting only a few days. The disease has similar clinical signs to dengue and may be misdiagnosed in areas where dengue is common. There's no cure for Zika virus treatment is focused on relieving the symptoms. So basically it's another mosquito-borne virus that makes your joints sore, makes your eyes red, and gives you a headache. And there's tons of them out there. One of the big things that people believe about this virus is that it causes a birth defect. And it's hard to know because all the information is coming from Brazil. And I don't know for sure, but I would imagine that their records aren't kept as accurately as the U.S. or a big first world country. But either way, there's a suspicion. They haven't confirmed it, but there's a high suspicion that if a pregnant woman contracts the Zika virus while she's pregnant, the child can come out with a birth defect. Just for fun, I went to CNN's website and I looked up Zika virus. And the first thing I came across, and I'll read just a little blurb. Health authorities began to suspect a connection between Zika and neurological ailments, especially in fetuses and newborns. Brazil alone has reported more than 4,000 cases of microcephaly, a neurological disorder resulting in the births of babies with small heads, and infants born to women infected with Zika virus while pregnant. What the article fails to mention or give any kind of information about is 4,000 cases over the course of how long. They don't specify that. Another thing they failed to mention is 4,000 birth defects over how many total births. So what's the percentage of children with birth defects? Another thing they failed to mention is, have there been any cases where the children were born without birth defects? All these things make a difference, CNN. So if this reported 4,000 cases happened over the course of the last 15 years, that's different than if it was this last three months. So that's just an example of how they delete information to gain media attention, to create hype, to help them sell more product. Now, I'm not saying people should just ignore it and act like it doesn't exist. If you're pregnant and you're thinking about going somewhere where there's been numerous cases, maybe it's best to not go. But other than that, you're just a little sick. A listener emailed me and said that he'd gotten back from Columbia around Christmas time, and I guess his wife's from there, and everyone in her family had it, and she caught it, and he thinks he caught it too. So obviously a mosquito bit one of them, got infected, and then injected the other ones. So obviously an infected mosquito bit everyone because you can't pass it from person to person without a mosquito carrying it. 
And he said he wasn't even sure if he really had it. He said he felt a little bit off, but not too bad. His wife was a little achy, had a little fever, but it didn't slow her down. She kept on doing her day-to-day activities, going to work, whatever. And within five days, she was fine again. So this is not a huge epidemic. It's not... It's like Ebola. Remember Ebola and the bird flu and the swine flu? There's always something the media is looking for. There's been 23 confirmed cases of it in the U.S., and none of them were contracted in the U.S. So all of them were brought back from countries where the infections are prevalent. And what's odd to me is that the media doesn't make any mention about malaria. And malaria, as I understand it, is responsible for half of the recorded deaths of the entire history of mankind. Now, that has not been fact-verified, and the data is probably too rough to even do that. But in 2015, there was 214 million reported cases of malaria. 438,000 deaths in 2015. 305,000 children in Africa died before the age of five from malaria. In 2015 alone, 305,000 kids. Now, that's more than ISIS and the Chicago thugs and Texas death row and dengue, the chikungunya, and all these other ones, but no one talks about them just because it's been around for so long and we know it and it's not interesting. As I was browsing some websites, I came across some other cool interesting statistics and I, I don't know how I do it but I go on these rabbit trails I'll be looking for something and, and I end up looking for something else and YouTube man they've got it figured out you could be sitting there and I don't know how they know me so well but I'll be watching a video of a turtle swimming and, it, and it'll say like you know on the, on the right hand side it shows other videos you might be interested in and there'll be like five videos of monkey flies an airplane And you're like, whoa, I want to see that. And you watch the monkey fly the airplane. And then the next set of videos will be the vocabulary of a dolphin. The amazing dolphin who can do 10,000 tricks. And if you like that, you'll definitely like skateboard wrecks. And if you like skateboard crashes, you'll definitely like paragliding accidents. And it just goes on and on. And they have this huge algorithm to figure out what you like. And they're good at it because they're They'll get you on a one-hour rabbit trail in no time. But going back to my original point, I came across a website that was pretty cool that had some life expectancy statistics. And it, the website's worldlifeexpectancy.com. Pretty cool interactive website. You can compare data. If you like statistics like I do, you can geek out for a while. But some of the most interesting things that I found or most applicable things that I found, in 1960, the average life expectancy of an American, is 70 years. In Nicaragua, it was 47 years. So 1960, 70 years in U.S., 47 in Nicaragua. In 2013, the USA is 78.8 years, and Nicaragua is 73.5. So Nicaragua, from 1960 to 2013 increased their life expectancy from 47 to 73 and a half. But the U.S. only went up from 70 to 78.8, which now 
only 5.3 years separate the average life expectancy of a Nicaraguan versus an American that's living in their respective, and that's living in their respective countries, obviously. I've talked about it before. I think I've mentioned the, how much waste goes into those 5.3 years, how much time and energy is spent on health care and legislation and regulation and doctors and schooling and money and money just to get 5.3 years. Third world countries don't have any of that, and they only live 5.3 years less. Japan is number one with a current life expectancy of 83.7 years, which is 80.2 for men and 87.2 for women. So that's number nine on the men scale. So they have them ranked by men and women. So Japan, 80.2 years is the ninth longest lifespan of the rest of the world. But the women lifespan in Japan is 87.2 years. And that's number one. So of the longest life expectancy of anyone on the entire planet, it's Japanese women, 87.2 years. So that's enough to, when you combine it with the average for the men, it puts Japan at number one. So they're expected to live the longest. And I got to thinking, I wonder why it's seven years difference between men and women there. And I would suspect it's because the men are in a lot more stressful environment. They take work very seriously. They don't vacation much. They don't unwind. So that would be my guess as to why. But either way, I thought it was interesting. Japan's number one. Well, I got off on a tangent, but that's going to wrap up the Zika virus. Uh, Bottom line is, it's not that big of a deal. Even if you do get it, you're a little sore for a few days. If you're pregnant, you may not want to mess around with it. It could be linked to the birth defects, but we're not sure yet. So it may not be worth it. Time for the weather report. The weather has been crazy here the last couple of weeks. And when I say crazy, I don't mean deathly scary. When I say crazy, I just mean different, abnormal. Typically, it quits raining in mid-December. But the last couple of days, in mid-February, we've had a little bit of rain at night. And everyone talks about it. Everyone says, man, can you believe it rained in February? And it's been cool at night. Cool even for here. I have had to go put on long pants and a long sleeve shirt. I'm guessing it's been in the low 70s. But it's funny that everyone notices that things are different. During windy season, it's going to be windy. But you can never predict what day it's going to be windy and what day it's not going to be windy. But you can always predict the seasons, which is pretty much rainy season, dry season, and then windy season. We're at the height of windy season right now. There should not be any rain until next fall. But there is. Must be global warming. Ronnie walked up to me the other day to show me a video on his iPad. And I thought, oh no, he's going to show me some nasty, gory video. Because these these Latin people, man, they have no problem watching a video of a guy get smashed by a train. And then showing you how extreme it is. And I don't think they understand that we're not really into that. But they are. They show it on the news, in the newspaper, everywhere. So anyway, so he comes walking up to me with his iPad. I start getting a little bit nervous as to what I'm about to see. And he shows me a video of his son who's, I think, right around 11 months old. And he's standing up with his hands on a plastic chair, like those cheap plastic chairs that you buy at Home Depot. They don't fold up or anything. They just, they're just plastic. They're just there. 
Over time, the sun bakes them and they fall apart. But anyway, his son was leaning on one of those, like standing up with his hands on the chair. And they had two golf balls on the inside of the chair where you would sit. Well, as he was standing up, he was reaching for those golf balls and he's pushing the chair. It's so light, it's just sliding across the tile floor. And I watched it. And I like it all hit me like this is their walker. Like this is what they use to teach their kids to walk because they don't have this all these fancy gadgets and equipments that are designed and engineered for the safest, most economical way for your baby to walk. They just take that son of a gun and lean him on a chair and he pushes it around. It was hilarious. And I thought, man, I probably would have never thought of that. It might be best that I don't ever have kids because I'll just raise them like the Nicaraguans do, which probably be fine. I'll save money. But yeah, he said you just put something that the kid likes in the chair, and when then they kind of go to reach for it, the chair slides, and they have to walk forward, otherwise they fall over, and they just stay with the chair. And as I watched the video, Ronnie invited me to come over to his house and have lunch on Sunday. So I was like, yeah, of course I'll come over. So the guy that owns the property where he lives, lives right next door. So it's a family, a guy, his wife, their kids, and maybe some of their kids' spouses. I'm not exactly sure. So I go over there for lunch at Sunday. It's like 12 o'clock. He's got a giant pot of soup cooking on a fire. And when I say giant, I'm talking two and a half feet in diameter. And I could tell he'd been cooking all day. So I go there, you know, shake the homeowner's hand. Nice to meet you. Play with Ronnie's kid for a little bit. And I get to look at the soup. And it's random beef parts and a ton of vegetables, all just like at a slow simmer. And I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. I bet it'll be good, but I'm not sure. So we all sit down. And if you've never had dinner with a Latin family, you may not get this. But in my dealings in Texas and having guys that work for me that are Mexican, I've seen this before, so it wasn't that new. They get out the table. They put it on the porch. I guess they wanted to sit outside. So they pull up four chairs around this table And there was way more than four people there, but it was only four men. It was me, Ronnie, Ismail, and then the the guy who owns the property where Ronnie lives. And so we're the only ones that sat at the table. All the girls and kids and women and everyone else were inside the house or away. They went around. And it, it still strikes me as a little bit weird, but I know that that's how they do it. And so the girls waited on us hand and foot. They're like bringing us stuff, getting us drinks refilling our bowls, bringing us more rice. And so it was familiar, but still not a very comfortable setting for me, just because it's it just not how I grew up. So I asked Ronnie's wife, I was like, hey, you going to sit down and eat with us? She's like, no, no, we already ate. And I was like, okay. And that's, you know, I always ask them, every time I'm in that position, I do the same thing and ask them, are you guys going to eat with us? And they always say the same thing, well, we already ate. But the soup was pretty good. It was very basic. A ton of vegetables, not a lot of meat. And the vegetables were yucca, ripe plantains, which is the ones that have gotten dark and they're kind of sweet. Green plantains, which almost have the consistency of a potato before you cook them. And then a couple other things that I don't know what they are. One of them was kind of like a squash. Uh, the other one looked like a honeydew melon, but it was a lot more firm and wasn't sweet at all. It was just green and you could tell it was round. So I don't know what it was, but There was also corn in there. It was mini corn and regular corn, but about three different kinds of vegetables that I didn't know what they were. I didn't notice any onions or garlic or anything like that. 
the flavor of the soup wasn't overpowering. It was real mild. And at first I was like, well, this is kind of bland. But then I started eating it a little bit slower and you could taste the vegetables. And to me, that's what made it. That's what all the flavor that was there came from the vegetables and the meat. You didn't need to have a bunch of seasoning. And so I also like, I'm a meat guy. You know, I like a lot, like a higher meat ratio of anything that I eat. I want to have more meat than anything else. But this soup didn't have that. It was only, you know, there was equal portions of meat and each different type of vegetable. So there wasn't a ton of meat. And I thought to myself, like, that's how they make it. They don't have a lot of meat to go around. So you just get a little bit. So in my mind, it was vegetable soup, with a little bit of meat, but it was still really, really good. It was cool to have a traditional Nicaraguan Sunday dinner. And, you know, they, they, you know, they try to make it nice. They do little things like they, they didn't have any, any soft drinks or anything. So they sent one of the kids to the store that brings back a three-liter bottle of Pepsi. Well, most people would just set the three-liter bottle of Pepsi on the table. You would put some ice in your cup and pour it. Well, they took the three-liter bottle, dumped it in a bucket, and then had like a serving cup that they would serve it from the bucket into your cup. And just probably because that's just like a little bit nicer, a little bit fancier. And I thought that was pretty cool. Extra dishes to wash, more work for everyone. But to them, it was a special occasion. I think Ronnie kind of organized the whole deal because I've cooked and given him quite a bit of food, and he hasn't really had a chance to do it. So I think it was his way of paying me back. But it was fun. Had a good time over there and then left to go borrow some internet and I got sucked into Sunday fun day. And that was the end of my Sunday. And one thing I forgot about about the Sunday lunch was it was like 1130 and Ismail was over here hanging out with Ronnie. And so Ronnie tells Ismail, hey, at 12 o'clock, we're going to go out on the boat with Brandon and go sailing. And I kind of looked at Ronnie and he's like winking at me without Ismail seeing him. I'm thinking, why would he tell him that? I thought we were supposed to go have lunch at 12 o'clock. But I didn't really say anything. Ismail hops out of his motorcycle, rides down to his house, and I get to talking to Ronnie. And Ronnie tells me, well, I told him that we're going to go on the boat, but really he's just going to go eat lunch with us. And I was like, man, that's not cool. Like you got him excited to go out sailing on a boat. And then you're like, nope, just kidding. We're only having lunch together. I was like, man, that's not cool. And he thought it was so funny. So it was very difficult for me to explain in Spanish how that, in like the North American culture that really wouldn't be considered like a funny prank, but he thought it was so funny. He's like, no, it's fine. He'll think it's funny. He'll think it's funny. So we drive down the truck, pick up Ismail. Ismail gets in the truck. Ronnie's like looking at me and smiling and laughing and not saying anything to Ismail. And so we pull up to Ronnie's house and we get out and they're like cooking lunch. And Ismail's like, I thought we were going to the, get on the boat and Ronnie's like no I'm just kidding we're only having lunch so (laughs) Ismail's like oh okay and he smiled a little bit but I think he thought it was kind of weird too I'm not sure I didn't ask him but another one of Ronnie's brilliant pranks I think I mentioned earlier that I hadn't had internet for like six days and when it's windy here stuff quits working the internet power cell phone towers blow down all kinds of stuff. So it was on Thursday. Power goes out. Of course, internet goes out when the power goes out. Power comes back on. Internet doesn't come back on. And there's these guys in town. They call themselves property managers. But they're really not. I don't know what they do. They collect $100 a month from people that own homes here that don't live here. So they can supposedly manage the houses. 
But dealing with these guys is like dealing with a bunch of kindergartners. They don't want to work. They don't answer their phone. They don't come to the house. They don't do anything. So I call the property manager. Hey, the Internet's out. Oh, I know. The tower blew over. It'll be fixed. This was on Thursday night. Friday afternoon rolls around. Hey, any word on the Internet tower? Because here the Internet comes through the air. It's this gigantic Wi-Fi blaster that blasts it to your house, and you got to have a different kind of converter that converts it to a regular Wi-Fi signal. He said, no, they said just to be patient that they're fixing it. And I had talked to some other friends in town that have the same Internet provider, and they're saying, no, ours is working fine. Ours is working fine. So now this is Saturday. I call him and I say, hey, everyone else says that their Internet's working fine. He's like, no, no, they tell me the tower's down. And I think in my mind that they don't want to call and ask. They don't want to do anything. They just don't want to have to fool with it. They hope it'll just be fixed on its own. But I knew that something was wrong because the router reset itself. It, I could just tell by the name of the network had changed from the router that it, something had gone wrong. So now it's Monday. And I call the internet guys directly. And they say, okay, we'll be out there this afternoon. Afternoon comes around, 3.30, 4 o'clock. No, nobody shows up. I call them about 5 o'clock. Uh, yeah, we'll be there in about 30 minutes. I'm thinking to myself, no possible way. Sure enough, they didn't show up. 5.30, I call them. Their cell phone's off. I call them the next morning, now Tuesday. And they say, okay, yeah, we'll be there um, by 9 o'clock. 10.45 rolls around. No internet, guys. So I call them. Say, okay, we're on our way. They finally show up. They walk in. They say, oh, yeah, there's something wrong with your router. I said, huh, yeah, that's what I figured. Do you guys have another router? No, we're going to have to go to town and uh, look for one. And I said, okay. So the end of the day comes, their phones go off at 6 o'clock. Next day rolls around. I call them up. I say, hey, look, why don't I just go buy a router in Rebus? I'll bring it back. Okay, perfect. So I'm thinking in my mind, I go buy a router. I come back. I can install it myself, and everything will work. So all that to lead you into a story of a day. It's one of those days... That we say when we live here, it's a screw this place kind of day. Because at the end of the day, you think to yourself, screw this place, screw this country, I don't know how much longer I can handle it. And it happens to everyone, regardless of how laid back they are, or how they don't care about anything, it will happen to you. So I'm going to do a turbo version of my day, and I want you to be the judge if you would have reacted the same way that I did. So I woke up in the morning knowing that I wanted to work out and that I needed to go to Rebus and buy a router and anything else I could fit in between would just be a bonus. So I wake up, I have a little coffee, I don't eat anything, I go straight to the gym. I work out, I go get some coconut water, I look in my wallet, I realize all I have is a $100 bill. Well, a $100 bill in San Juan del Sur is almost worthless because no one has change. So I go around to three or four different places. Nobody has change. Luckily, the coconut guy knows me pretty well. Gave me a couple of coconut waters on credit. I get back in the truck. I saw that I had a missed call. I didn't recognize the number, but it wasn't a promotional number from the cell phone company, so I felt like I should call him back. I go to three different stores to try to buy credit for my phone, and once again, they don't have change for a $100 bill. So I drive all the way back to the grocery store, other side of town, buy my minutes, they give me my change, 
And then I go to Zach's house to borrow the internet to try to do some work before I go to Rivas to buy this router. Drive back to Zach's house, park the truck, get out, and right next to the street, like there's no sidewalk. So it's like some, it's like houses, and then sometimes you have some little plants between the house and the, and the street, no sidewalks. So I throw the truck in park to get out. I grab my iPad, I grab my laptop bag, I got my coconut water, I got my phone in one hand, I got my keys, I got my wallet, and I turned around, and there's one of these like deadly dagger plants jabbing me in my ass, drawing blood. I, I checked when I got back to Zach's house that it poked in and drew blood. So I turn around and bam, this thing hits me. And I'm just mad. I don't yell. I just drop everything in my hands on the ground and reach down to remove the spine from my buttocks. So I pull it out. I'm like, man, this day is just getting worse. Gather up my belongings, go to Zach's house, get on the internet, and get a little bit of work done. I called the property manager. I said, hey, I'm going to go to Rebus right now. I'm going to buy the router. Everything should be good. That's all we need, right? He said, yes, just keep the receipt, and then we'll pay you back or take it off your rent or whatever. I said, okay, perfect. So I set out for Rebus. I had no clue where the store was that sells routers, but I knew I could find it. So I pull into Rebus, and Rebus is just getting packed. I don't know what the deal is, but there's more and more cars there, and there's all these little rickshaws, I think they call them, like bicycles with little bench seats in the front where they pedal you around. And so they just crowd up the streets. There's nowhere to park. So I just find the first place I can park, hop out of the truck, and just set out on foot to find a router. So it didn't take long. I tracked down the store. I asked three different people for directions, and they all three gave me different directions. But they all started out in the same vicinity. So I got myself to that vicinity, kept asking more questions to narrow it down, and that's what I found is the best way to locate things. You can't just take directions from one person and expect to get there. you got to get a little bit closer and then a little bit closer, and each time you get closer, you ask someone else, and then you end up getting there. Walk in the store. I said, I need a router. They said, which one? They got like five of them. I just picked the most expensive one, which is like 65 bucks. And I've learned also in this country to test things out before you buy them. Anything that you can plug in or light or anything that needs to work, you got to test it before you buy it. So I made them take it out of the package, test it, and it's totally acceptable to them. They're used to it. So they did all that. Everything worked. I pay. I get back to my truck, and there's a car in front of me that's about three and a half inches between its bumper and my bumper. And there's a car behind me that's got about two inches between its bumper and my bumper. And I just sit there and scratch my head and laugh. And I thought, well, I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. There's a girl standing on the sidewalk by this main road and looking at, she can see my predicament. And so I kind of ask her with hand signals and pointing, will you watch my bumper when I back up to make sure that I don't hit this car? And I would, the reaction that she gave me, I would have expected if I would have said, I'm from Mars and I need to eat your soul. <laughs> she just looked at me like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, I'll walk over there and in Spanish I go, See, see, this car parked very close to my truck, and I need to back up in order to get out. But I can't see how close my car is to their car because I'm inside it. And so I was wondering if you could stand here and watch them so that when I back up, that my bumper doesn't hit their bumper because I don't want to hit their car and leave a mark. And she goes, oh, okay. So she's standing there, and I'm getting geared up for the Austin Powers 50-point turn. 
about that time, the guy walks up, gets in the truck behind me. He goes, I go. But I wonder how it would have worked out if I would have needed her help. And that's not uncommon. They will park all up on you. It's, it's not the first time it's happened, and it will not be the last. So it's something you got to get used to down here. So I'm kind of feeling good about things so far. I've had a couple bad things happen, but nothing major. I realize that I've got plenty of time left to get home. It's not even close to being late or dark or anything. So I stop at a little street food place to get some street food. And I wanted something quick that I could just grab and eat in the truck. I didn't want to have to get a fork or a knife or a spoon or a plate or rice or anything. I just wanted like, they call them tacos, which is like a taquito. It's like a rolled up taco and they fry it. Well, they have these things called enchiladas, which are like this, it's like this bread stuffed with rice and beef. I just wanted to get something like that to go. So I walk up to him. You have any tacos? No. You have any enchiladas? No. Okay. Adios. Like, wait, wait, wait. We have jalapeno chicken, a gallo pinto, uh, rice and pork. I'm like, no, 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 no thanks. So I take off. I go to another place. They don't have any either. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to the grocery store, get a bag of chips and a soft drink. And for the record, I don't eat many chips at all. But there was a grocery store nearby that had gringo chips, and I took the opportunity to get some Doritos. Walk in the store. Before I buy Doritos, I need to use the restroom. I go in the stall. I close it, and the stall locks itself. The, the, the latch breaks from inside the stall so that I can't. I'm turning it, but the little bolt is not going back inside the door. So I have two options now. I either kick it as hard as I can and probably destroy their door or try to climb over. I went for the over route, which could have worked out badly, but it didn't. As I was climbing down or hopping down to their side, there was a hook on the inside of the stall that got my shorts. As I jumped over, it caught my shorts, but I landed on the toilet on the other side. So I, if I had gone to the ground, it probably would have just ripped my shorts from top to bottom, but that didn't happen. So I go back to the store, I buy my chips and my Diet Coke, and I get back in the truck, head back to San Juan. It's like 3.30 now. I'll be back in 30, 45 minutes, enough time to get the router set up, take the dogs, go to the beach. Driving down the road, go to open my Diet Coke, whole thing starts spewing out and exploding all over me and my face and the truck and the windshield, I've never seen a Coke explode like this. Since my window was down, I just tossed the entire Coke out of the window. I normally don't litter, and those of you who know me know that. But I just laughed. I thought, man, this day, obviously things can still go more wrong, but I didn't see how. So I continue to eat my dry chips with no soft drink and drive till I get home. Oh, and my iPhone died. I, um... It was just, it was playing music and then it just shut off, went to brick mode. So now I've got to contend with that. I get home, I go to hook the router up, and I'm not exactly sure how to get routers going, but I know that if a lot of people can do it, then I probably can too. So I get it out of the box, I plug it in, I hook it up to everything. It's not working. So I call the property manager, I say, man, I can't get this router to work. He goes, oh, no, no, the, the internet guy's got to come out. They got to do all kinds of stuff on the computer to get it set up and hooked up to their system. I said, okay, when can they be here? Uh, manana. And I go, no, 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 today. He's like, no, no, they've already gone back to Revis. 
I don't understand why he didn't tell me this beforehand. I could have timed it better, but he didn't. So I said, do you know how to do it? He's like, no. I said, can you call the guy on the phone and see if he can talk you through it? He's like, um, yeah. <laughs> and right then I knew there was a 99.999% chance that it wouldn't be working. So he said, okay, I'll be there at 530. I said, how about 6 o'clock? I said, I'm going to go to the beach with the dogs and I'll be back. He goes, okay. So I head down to the beach, play fetch with the dogs, get back in the truck. And as I'm driving back, I stop next to the park because the park, the Wi-Fi is free. I thought, well, I'm going to download something, you know, maybe check my email, download a podcast or two, and then go home and maybe they can get the internet working. So, of course, the Wi-Fi at the park is out. No free Wi-Fi, cannot join, network, whatever. So come on back home. I stop in route to try to get some dinner. The chips were long gone. So I, there's a little lady that sells tacos on the side of the road on my way home. So I had never eaten there before, but I'd seen her. So I order two tacos, and she brings them out, and they're covered, slathered with sour cream and ketchup. And I was like, no, no, no. And she could sense my frustration. She's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know. I said, no, no, that's okay. So I pull them out of the plastic bags and try to retain all of the sour cream and ketchup goo inside the bag so I just had the tacos. And that's what I did, and I got home, and they were still kind of soggy. At this point, I didn't care. I just wanted the day to end. So I get back home. The property manager shows up. Of course, he doesn't have a computer. I was like, oh, do you not have a computer? No, I was going to see if I could use yours. I said, okay, here's mine. So he sits down at it. It's a Mac, and he's scratching his head. And I I go, Harry, uh, why don't you just go? We're probably not going to be able to figure this out. We'll just get the guys back out here tomorrow. He's like, no, no, I can do it. I can do it. And so not to be judgmental or anything, but I just don't have much confidence in these guys' computer abilities that don't do it for a living. If they do it for a living, that's fine. But just the regular guys, I don't think that they've been dealing with computers as long as most people have from the States. And I don't think they have a thorough understanding of how they work and what to do when things go wrong. There, I said it. Not that I'm better, but for the most part, I think in the States or most of the first world countries, we started playing Oregon Trail on computers when we were five. And here they got their first computer three years ago when they were 22. So he spent an hour and a half on the phone with the, uh, the guy that comes out and works on the internet every couple of days here at my house. And they were both on speakerphone, and both of their phones were cutting out. And 99% of the time, they would both start speaking at the same time and then stop speaking at the same time. Then they would start speaking at the same time and they would stop speaking. And they were not communicating. They were just... You know how it is. So this went on and on and on. For an hour and a half. They got nowhere. He finally got some numbers typed into the computer. Changed the IP address of the router. Whatever that means. And then finally gave up after an hour and a half. So I looked at him. I said, what do you think the chances are that they'll be back here tomorrow morning? He's like, oh yeah, they'll be here. They'll be here. And I thought to myself, we'll see about that. So continuing through the night. I ate my soggy sour cream 
infused ketchup sauce tacos. And the power flickers a couple times. And I thought, well, the power's going to go out. Didn't really affect me. I don't really need it for anything. So I thought, well, I'm going to go ahead and take a shower. That way, if it does go out, I don't have to bathe in the pool. Hop in the shower. Get my hair and my beard full of shampoo. Bam, power goes out. Here, at my house, when the power goes out, the water also goes out because the water's on a well with a pump. And the tank that holds the water is really, really small, so it doesn't have enough pressure to get to my shower head from the well house. I thought to myself, I have two options. I can either wipe all the shampoo out of my hair and my beard and off my body, or I can walk down the swimming pool and jump in. So that's what I did. Walked to the pool, jumped in. It really wasn't all that bad. I thought about maybe that being my new shower ritual, but I probably won't. It was a little bit of an inconvenience, but it was it was par for the course to end the day. Next morning rolls around, guy shows up, works on the internet for about two hours, walks outside, smiles at me, and gives me the thumbs up. As much as I wanted to say, take your stuff and get out of my house, I said, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming by. And I gave him two cold beers. It was 10.30 in the morning, and he was very happy and cracked one open as he climbed into his work truck. Hopefully he'll remember that next time he gets a call and my internet's out. He'll, he'll come here first in hopes to get a cold beer. So that was my day from you know where in a nutshell, like a 10-minute nutshell. One thing that I couldn't figure out, and I think it's genetic, because I remember observing this behavior and thinking... Why does he do that? That's so childish. And what that behavior is, is driving aggressively when you're mad or having a bad day. So I remember my dad used to do it when I was a little kid. And he'd be all mad about something and he'd be spinning the tires around the corners and flooring it and jamming on the brakes. And I remember thinking, as a little kid, this is so foolish. This is, he's acting like a little child. But now I catch myself doing it. And so it's got to be genetic. I... I'd like to interview my friends and see if they do it. I know for sure two of them do, but I'm not sure about the rest of them. And I'm embarrassed. I'm not proud to admit it. I would not tell certain people. Hopefully they don't listen, but it, it's a flaw, and I'm going to try to work on it. But I find myself trying to jam my right foot through the floorboard, pushing the gas when I'm frustrated. And at the end of that bad day, I probably burned a half a tank of fuel just because I was sour and grumpy. But I'm not afraid to admit it. That's the first step. Okay, I've already blown the self-imposed time limit out the window, and I still have five or six more things to talk about. So I'm going to save those till next time. I really needed to get my bad day off my chest, and that's what I did. Hopefully you got some good information about the Zika virus. Hopefully you have a little bit better of an understanding what it's like here. If you ever want to come visit, let me know. Thanks again for listening. Life in Paradise podcast. Email us at nikasaleandsurf at gmail.com or check out the website, nikasaleandsurf.com. Thanks again for listening. Keep it tranquilo. Had a bad day again. And she swam.